Jeremiah chapter 29, starting verse 11. If we just stand for the reading of God's word, sorry, it's just a tra- uh, tradition in honor of God's word. It's nothing in the Bible. The Bible doesn't say that you have to stand for the reading of His word, but um, it'd be a good, a good tradition to have here. We we do that in Sydney, and I'd like to do that here as well. So just we'll just stand in honor of reading the word. Jeremiah chapter 29, starting verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. In the New Living Translation, Ebony's translation, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you. Amen. And for the next few minutes, like I preach you on the thought, God has a plan. God has a plan. Let's pray. Let's pray for Nat and Joanne, as well as the ministry of God. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, this opportunity that we have to gather together to worship you and to feel your presence in this place, Lord, we pray for Annette and Joanne, you know, the sickness that they're facing. Pray, Lord, that you would touch them where they're at right now, that they would feel strength, Lord, that they would be able to get over this bug, and that they would be able to come back and worship with us. Lord, we pray for the ministry of your word. Your word is already anointed. I pray, God, that you'd use me to minister your word, that we would be hearers of your word and doers also. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Thank you. God has a plan. A number of years ago, Steph and I celebrated uh, a wedding anniversary by traveling to Fiji for a much-needed holiday, and as you can probably understand, that was prior to children, when we could just go away on a holiday. In fact, I think uh, Steph was pregnant with Ava on that trip, and we got caught in a hurricane. That's another story. Um, (laughs) On our flight from Sydney to Nandy, uh, we stumbled upon a documentary about Lego. And since we both grew up with Lego, like so many kids, we decided that we had to watch it. And it went through the history of the brand, how it was created by a carpenter from Denmark named Oli Kirk Christensen. And that the name Lego comes from the Danish phrase legat, which means play well. In 1949, Oli Kirk created what would later be known as the Lego brick, which is what made this company so famous. The documentary went through how this little Danish company developed over the decades into a global icon that it is today. And apparently in February 2015, Lego actually replaced Ferrari, I apologize for that, Marcella, but it replaced Ferrari as the world's most powerful brand. That's Marcella's last name, Ferrari. (laughs) You're like, does she own a Ferrari? (laughs) She gets up here twice as fast as us. It talked about uh, the development of the Lego brick and the creation of the minifigures as well as the introduction of theme sets. And and that's what really made uh, Lego explode in popularity. The first theme sets uh, were introduced in 1978. I think my dad might be aware of this. They were called Town, Castle, and Space back in the last century. Uh, These were design sets that you could buy that included uh, minifigures and bricks that were specifically produced with instructions inside the box that would fit the theme. And these were developed over the years to include many different themes, including movie franchises like Star Wars and and others. I saw Marvel 
uh, Minecraft, uh, it seems like a match made in heaven, Minecraft and Lego, um, they like mark up the price 50% or more just because of that brand. Um, but I picked up this set yesterday, I picked this up from Big W, it's a 3 in 1, and uh, I figured I killed two birds with my one stone, it's my daughter's birthday this week, and she loves dogs. So I got a sermon illustration and a, a gift from my child. And not only can she make three dogs, but she can make seven dogs. <laughs> so everybody's winning. And I don't have to buy a dog, so that's one more year without having to purchase a real dog. Uh, but what's the point? What's the point of talking about Lego? What's the point of um, spending money to buy this Lego set? Well, um, basically, uh, the reason I decided to talk about that is that the point is Lego, the Lego set, was packaged with a design and a plan. Every Lego set, every uh, package that comes, it, there is a design behind it. There is a plan behind it. And, and in fact, uh, the documentary that we watched went behind the scenes and it actually showed the viewer how much time and effort goes into every Lego set. They have designers that spend months and months putting uh, these designs together so that they could create uh, these amazing set. And, and they, they design it piece by piece so that it will all perfectly fit together in order to fulfill the plan of the creator, of the designer of the set. And can I tell you that the same applies to you and I tonight. The same applies to us. We have been designed. You have been designed. Amen. And your creator has spent time designing you. Atheists will tell you that you are the product of a mindless, unguided process. That over millions of years, life has developed into what it is today. And, and, and never mind that we have no idea how life came to existence in the first place. And, and the point of that is not to say that you know science is bad or, or wrong or anything like that. That's, that's not what I mean at all. Uh, you know, I believe science, and I believe science points us in a direction. It points us in the, the direction of a creator. It points us to God. You see, atheism offers you this bleak belief that you are a happy accident, that there is no real purpose in life. And, and sure, you can create a purpose for yourself, you know, uh, living in community, you can create some sort of purpose, but, but there is nothing that lasts beyond your life. It's just, it's just this purpose that you've created whole cloth, and it doesn't really have lasting value. You can choose to believe that, or you can choose to believe what God tells you in His Word. That you have been designed. That you have been created by a designer that has a purpose for your life. That there is meaning in this world. And there is meaning in your life. Amen. King David, he wrote in Psalm 139, he said this of the Lord, For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it. Very well. David is saying, God, you formed me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You spent time on me. You cared about me. And, and deep down, we all know. We all know that we have been designed. You can choose to deny the fact. You can choose to look away from it. But deep down, we all know that we have been designed. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You may not necessarily like the way that you look. You might look at yourself in the mirror and point at different imperfections. That doesn't mean that you have not been wonderfully made. You have been designed. You have been created by God. And you have been formed by a maker that loves you. That cares about you. Hallelujah. 
In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, we see that we were not only designed, but we were created in the very image of God. So if you look at yourself in the mirror and you're criticizing your image, you are criticizing your creator. You have been created in the image of God. And that is why we are different than every other creature on this planet. That is why we reason. That is why we think with logic. That is why we are created beings just like our creator. We have been created in his image. That is why we paint. That is why we dance. That is why we play music. That's why we sing. Because we have been created in the image of a creator. That's why we build skyscrapers. That's why we produce iPhones. Why? We have been created in the image of God. Have you ever thought about that? Why do we have this desire to create? Why do we have this desire to dance? Why do we have this desire to sing and to make music? It's because we have been created in the image of a creator. And his word carries with it power. The Bible says that he created everything with just his words. He created all of the earth with his words. And just like his words have power, your words have power. Have you ever wondered why just because you say something that can affect someone for years and years, maybe even decades, just one sharp sentence, just one negative thought or even a positive word. Why is that? Because your words have power. You have been created in the image of your creator. You have been designed. You have been formed by God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not only have you been designed, but you have been designed for a purpose. You have been designed for a reason. And God has a plan for your life. And our Bible tells us that they are plans for good and not for disaster. They are plans that are good and not disaster. Plans that give you a future and a hope. It is no wonder that we live in a society where people struggle to find purpose in their life. They have been taught from a very young age that they live in a world that is devoid of meaning, devoid of purpose. And so they struggle to find purpose because they've been told an ultimate purpose doesn't really exist. And so everything seems meaningless. Everything seems purposeless. And as I said before, you can create a purpose for your life, but where does that purpose derive from? Is it just from your mind, which then is just the process of of an accident? There has to be something more. A few weeks ago, we talked about how there are large segments of the Australian population that struggle with anxiety and depression. And I believe that is because it is a direct result of people living purposeless lives. We're living lives without purpose, so we struggle with depression. We struggle with anxiety. We struggle with these strongholds in our life because we're not waking up with a drive, with a purpose, with something in mind. People are waking up and existing as opposed to living a life that is full of purpose and full of direction. And in Scripture, we see that God has an ultimate plan for each and every one of us. Yes, He has a plan for our life, but He has an ultimate plan for each and every single one of us. The plan for for your life may be different than His plan for my life in the nitty-gritty. But overall, there is a plan for every one of us, and that is that we would spend eternity with Him. Jesus said that He came to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? What was it that was lost? It was humanity. Humanity was lost. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why He came, to find that which was lost. And today, you have an opportunity to be found. 
You don't have to leave this place lost, but you can be found. You can experience his salvation. You can experience his hope. You can experience his joy. Hallelujah. You can be born again, as the Bible says. And the Bible talks about being born again of the water and of the spirit. You can begin again. If you'd like to know more about that, please come see me. We'd love to do a Bible study with you about being born again. Amen. And that is God's plan for everybody. His plan for everybody is that they would be born again so that they would spend eternity with Him. But beyond that, beyond being born again, the Bible says that God has plans for your life. He has a plan for your life. He says they are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I don't want you to miss that, just because I've said it a few times. I don't want you to miss the fact that God has a plan for your life. Let that settle in your spirit here today. When you go home today, remember, God has a plan for my life. When you wake up tomorrow morning, remember, God has a plan for my life today. And He has a future in store for each and every one of us. There is a reason why we exist. There is a reason why you are here in this place. There is a reason why you live in this community. Or you live in the community that you are in. There is a purpose for you. Hallelujah. You may be asking me here today, if, if life is not going so well, if God has plans for my life, then, then why am I struggling? Why am I going through these circumstances? Why did I lose my job? Why does it feel like my family is just not coming together? Why do I feel like a nobody? Why doesn't it look like it? It may be nice to say it. These are nice words. That's a cool scripture you shared, preacher. But why doesn't it feel like it in my own life? You see, often... The events and the circumstances in our life are like these Lego pieces. I'm not sure I'm going to take them a lot because I don't want to lose any. <laughs> but you, you can see through the plastic bag. My daughter will kill me if I lose any. Um, but often the things in our life are like these Lego pieces. You see how they're all different types. You've got a round one. You've got uh, uh, a rectangular one. You've got a longer one, a square one. You've got all these different shapes in these different pieces. And, and often the events that take place in our life, the circumstances that happen in our life are like these Lego pieces. If I take one out individually, it makes no sense. If I look at the round piece, it's like, well, what is that? That, that does nothing. Why is that there? I, I don't understand why that happened or how, how come that piece is there? That, that makes no sense to me. But when I start putting the pieces together, when I start taking the collection together and I'm putting each piece together, it starts to make sense why these things happen in our life. Hallelujah. When I take out the instruction manual, like you have to when you're putting this puzzle together, or uh, this, this Lego together, when you take out the instruction manual and you start looking at the instructions of the Creator, when you start looking at the instructions of the designer, you start to see some of these things make sense. It didn't make sense by itself, but when I started to look at the Word, when I started to get that in my heart, it began to make sense in my life. That's why I had to go through that, because that gave me empathy to reach out to somebody. That's why I had to go through that, because that put me in the place so then I would cry out to God, and I would desire to have a relationship with Him. That's why I went through that, so then I could minister to somebody else. I could bless somebody else. When you start putting the pieces together, when you look at the instruction manual, it begins to make sense. And unfortunately, unfortunately, we are unable to see all of the pieces. The way that we see the pieces is that we live through life, we go through life. And you can look back at blocks of time and you can start seeing why different things happen. 
But while you're going through it, when it's day by day, week by week, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But sometimes time helps us to see what God was doing behind the scenes, what God was working in our life. And that is why Paul was able to say to the church in Rome, a church that was facing immense persecution, a church that was going through trials, that was going through circumstances, that, that they had members within their church that were, were murdered, that were killed by the Romans. You think about that. Members, in this, let's say we're gathering together today and then next week we get together and a few of us are missing. And it's not because they're sick, but it's because the government rounded them up and put them in a coliseum. That is what these Romans were facing. And it was to that church that Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 8. He said, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Another version puts it this way. And we know that God causes all things. It's like he's putting the pieces together in our life. He causes all things to work together for good to them who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. He causes it to happen. He literally starts putting the pieces together in your life for good. For good. It may not necessarily be for a good that you see in that moment, but ultimately it's for a good that he can see beyond what you can see. And sometimes we just have to trust him. I'm, I'm getting ahead in my notes and we'll, we'll get back to that point. But we don't necessarily see why. But he is working together for good. It may not feel like it, but if you love God, if you desire to have a relationship with him and you surrender your plan for your life to him, to his plan for your life, then you will start to see the pieces being put together for good in this life. His plans are for good and not for disaster. So what must we do to ensure that we are following his plans? Well, we need to look at the instruction manual. We need to look at the word of God. So what is it that the Lord said to Jeremiah in the text that we read at the beginning of this message? In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12, the Lord says, In those days when you pray, I will listen. He said, In those days when you pray, I will listen. And so the first thing that we need to do if we want to follow God's plan for our life is we need to pray. We need to be people of prayer. Notice how he says, when you pray. He didn't say if. He didn't say you may pray. He said, when you pray. When you pray, I will listen. The Apostle Paul, he wrote, writes to the church at Thessalonica, and he told them, he told this church, he said, pray without ceasing. That means that you need to pray when you're going through good things and when you're going through bad things. When it's a good day and when it's a bad day, we need to be praying. We need to pray. To another church in Colossians, he told them to devote themselves to prayer. Commit yourselves to prayer. Commit yourselves to praying. And finally, he told another church in Philippi, he said, don't be anxious for anything, but in every situation, pray. How do you overcome anxiety in your life? Pray. Commit it to the Lord. Commit it to the Lord through prayer. Be anxious for nothing, but in every situation, pray. Luke explains in his 18th chapter that Jesus, he told this parable about an unjust judge. And, and to summarize the parable, there's this judge who was unjust. That's why it's called the unjust judge. <laughs> and this lady was desiring a hearing from this judge, and, and, and he wasn't giving the result that she wanted. She kept going back to him and back to him. She kept pestering him and pestering the judge until the judge rendered the verdict that, that she desired, that she needed. 
He gave her the verdict that she wanted. And, and Jesus told this parable to show that at all times, this is what Luke said, He told this parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. That even when you don't get the answer that you want, that doesn't mean we stop praying. We go back to prayer. We go back to uh, praying to the Lord and committing ourselves to prayer. You see, God, He doesn't consider prayer optional. And neither should we. What better way to express your pains and doubts than to the one who can actually do something about it. To the one who can make a difference in your life. That's why the Bible says to cast all of your cares on Him. Cast all of your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Instead of hiding it away, bring it to the Lord in prayer. Cast it on Him. In your prayer time, cast those cares, cast those anxieties on the Lord because He cares for you. And He has good plans for you. He has a future for you. But the only way you're going to experience that future, the only way you're going to walk in His plans is that you pray when you doubt. It's that you turn to Him in your questioning instead of turning away from Him. That you cast your cares on Him. That we actually pray. We actually pray. A few weeks ago at small group, I taught that prayer must be systematic or it can be systematic and complete. I put that caveat out there because uh, I'm a systems guy, so for me it, it must be. <laughs> but I know not everyone is systematic. Some people can spend hours in prayer and there's no system in place and, and they're just experiencing God's presence and hooray for you. I cannot do that. Yeah, I've got a system. <laughs> and, 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 and we need to have some sort of process to our prayer and that will help us in our prayer time. And if you'd like to notes that lesson, let me know. I can, I can give them to you. But in other words, the system is we need to know tomorrow when we're going to pray and where we're going to pray. If we haven't made that decision before we go to bed, the chances of that happening the next day is very slim. Things are going to creep in. Things are going to happen. And then that commitment that you wanted to make at the altar, you, you made that commitment. You didn't follow through because you didn't put a plan in place. You didn't put a system in place. I compare it to uh, running, and, and unfortunately, I haven't been able to run as much as, as normal, and I think that's because I've had systematic flaws in my planning. But uh, normally, what I would do is I lay, lay my clothes out, and I've made uh, a, a decision as to how far I'm going to run, where I'm going to run, and at what time. And lo and behold, when I do that, it happens. But if I wake up and decide, oh, today I'm going to do 3K, or today I'm going to do 5K, well, uh, it doesn't happen so much. Life gets in the way. Not only must we know when and where we're going to pray, but that our prayer should have some structure to it, and, and we should have some focus in our prayer time. That's why with the 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're going to provide prayer points for you each and every day. That gives us a, a, a thing to pray towards, so we're not so inwardly focused, but we can pray for uh, other things. And there's something powerful as the body, as the church prays together on a specific point, on a specific Need. And we'll be doing that uh, for 21 days starting on the 4th of September. But in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 13, the Lord continues. He says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you. So the second thing that we need to do is we need to seek the Lord. You see, the Lord promises that if we seek Him, if we look for Him with our whole heart, we will find Him. He will be found. Now, I don't want you to think that He's hiding from you. Uh, God's not playing hide and go seek with you. <laughs> hide and seek. He, he's not hiding. 
Uh, in Revelation, God says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's the one that desires to have a relationship with us. In Acts 17, the Apostle Paul said that God is not far from any of us. For in Him we live and move and have our being. So He's not hiding from us, but we need to seek for Him. Our hearts need to be turned towards Him. Each day we need to make a desire to seek after His presence in our life. Amen. We have to look for Him with our heart. Acknowledge Him each day. Turn to Him. And seek Him. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 25 says, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the person who seeks Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the person who actually seeks after Him. Who desires to have a relationship with Him. The blessings of God are found when we seek Him. The blessings of God are found when we search for Him. When we desire Him. And that is why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. Six, he said, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. Then all these things will be added to you. If you want the blessings of God in your life, and that may not be monetary, but that could be a whole myriad of things. But if you want God's blessing in your life, seek first His kingdom. Seek first His righteousness. And then it will be added to you. Hallelujah. He will take care of you if you seek Him first. Finally, the writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 11, that he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them, or he rewards those who seek him. We must come to him. God has good plans for us, but we have to seek after him. We have to desire him in our life. And then finally, first we need to pray. Second, we need to seek after the Lord. And the third thing that we must do is we must trust God. We must put our trust in him. Proverbs chapter 3 Verses 5 to 6 puts it this way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. When we trust in the Lord, when we acknowledge Him in all of our ways, He will direct our path. If I can please get Steph to come. He will direct our path. He will start putting the pieces together in our life if we will trust Him, if we will desire Him, if we take our hands off the controls, if we acknowledge Him as Lord and God. For most of our lives, we've been living as Lord. We make the decisions. We make, we call the shots. But today's the day that you take your hands off the control and you put your trust fully in God. You put your faith in Him and say, God, I want you to lead me. I've been doing it my own way and things aren't necessarily working the way I like it. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to put my faith in you. The psalmist writes in Psalm chapter 9, and those who know your name will put your trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Those who trust you, those who know your name will put it in you. They will put their trust in you. And we know that if we seek him, he will not forsake us. Amen. I've come to encourage someone here this evening that God has not forsaken you. God has not abandoned you. The pieces of your life may not make sense right now. But if you place it into the Creator's hands, if you look at the instruction manual and allow Him to lead and guide your life, then the pieces will start coming together in your life. If you could be upset, thank you for your attention here this evening. God has a plan for this church. God has a future for this church. There is hope today. When I was uh, 16 years old, uh, 
Uh, my grandfather and grandma got really sick, and uh, not to bring up memories from my dad, but uh, we went through a time when we were traveling to the hospital almost every day. They were on different floors. We were going up one floor to the next. And uh, within a few weeks of each other, they both passed away. It was a very tragic time for my family, very difficult circumstance. And uh, I remember going to my grandfather's funeral. He was a great man. Uh, we all respected him and honored him. And he was a chief master sergeant in the U.S. Air Force. And I remember attending his funeral and just seeing how well he was respected, how well they treated him. They, they did the whole thing. They flew the flag. They honored him. They did the, the 21 gun salute. And it was at that funeral, it was during that time, that I decided that I was going to go to the Air Force Academy. I made a decision that I wanted to be like my grandfather, but uh, he was an enlisted man, so he could only go to a certain spot, and I said, well, I don't want to be stuck there. I want to go straight into straight into leadership. And so I was looking at going into the Air Force Academy, and I started making all these plans. I started uh, getting everything together and, and what I was going to do. I'd even approached uh, the Academy and gotten into their summer program as a, a year 11 in college. And the Air Force Academy, they were going to pay for my tuition for four years of school, and you just owed them seven years, but everything was paid for, you were going to get money uh, per diem, and I was looking at becoming uh, an aerospace engineer, that's what I wanted to do, that was the plans that I had for my life, and then one day as a teenager, I went to a youth rally, and I don't even remember what the preacher preached that day, some of you may not remember what I preach here today, but all I know is my mom and dad looked at me, and I grew up in church, so I knew what that look meant. And to go forward and to, to at least pretend to pray. And as I went forward to pretend to pray, uh, I actually started praying. And God's Spirit moved. And, and an amazing thing happened in that altar. And I felt that the Lord had spoken to me through another man of God and had called me to go to Bible school in St. Louis. I remember telling my dad, and, and he pretended like he was upset for like months. He's like, uh, You should go to the academy. What are you doing? But uh, at the end, uh, about a few weeks before I left to go to St. Louis, he told me he was just testing me to make sure I was going for the right reasons. Because <laughs> some people just go to Bible school because it's like a glorified uh, church camp. Uh, but um, really felt that the Lord was leading me. And it was there at Bible College uh, that I met a, a beautiful young lady by the name of Stephanie Fresh. Who also felt that I got to go to Bible school. And when I was praying at that altar in Cincinnati, Ohio, I can pretty much go to the exact spot that I was praying in. I had no idea that the, the plans that God had for my life. I had no clue what He was going to do in me and through me. All I knew is that He was calling me to take my hands off the wheel, to stop trying to control everything and give it over to Him and allow Him to lead and guide my life. And He does it so much better than we could ever Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nothing special about me. God has plans for your life just like He had plans for mine. God has a purpose for your life just like He has a purpose for my life. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We need to offer ourselves up to the Lord. Allow Him to lead and to guide our life. Allow Him to put the pieces together in our life. And there's no telling what He can do in your life, what He can do in your family, in this community.
if we will put our trust in Him, if we will pray, if we will seek His face. Amen. Let us pray together. Let us pray together. Lord.